Yeah, what I think got. we're going to see merch, though. This is the thing. Because we've got these new outfits, will right? We we've see got merch? these. Will, right? Will, like, will we've we, got these. <laughs> 110% we will see right? silver anniversary merch. Let's just hope it's not as bad right. as the merch they put out for the 50th, like that velour tracksuit. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the DCL Duo Podcast, and we are live. We are live on StreamYard, so for those of you listening to this podcast, probably about a week later uh, on our podcast platform channel and uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, we went live. So watch out for these live uh, shows. You can come join us. You can ask questions. And tonight is all about listener Q&A and some news and commentary. We have been waiting patiently for several months, letting the news waft over us and digest about things like the treasure, the Australia sailings, new castaway club tiers, the global dream, CEO shakeups. And uh, yeah, we just we kind of wanted to bide our time, think about things and then come to you with uh, with our opinions and thoughts. And so that's what we are doing tonight. We like to let things percolate just like coffee percolates since we are in the Seattle area. (laughs) We're not a pour over. We're a drip. I guess I don't know. I don't know if I know the difference. We're we're a fine French press. By but, the way, we we are not brought to you by Topo Chico, but I am brought to you by Topo Chico. And I do need to say, our show is brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And so, thank you to our sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travel. We really appreciate you. All right, well, let's dive in. Like I, I'm gonna go high tech. We're we're doing a, a little bit of a presentation here. So Ooh, you so uh, fancy. Yeah, I thought I would pull the listener questions up live on the screen. So we'll uh, we'll read them out for those who are listening. To this audio only down the line. But first topic of discussion is probably, I guess it's the most recent topic that's come up, which is the CEO shakeup at Disney. Bob Chapek out, Bob Iger in. And one of our listeners asked, anticipated DCL changes or impacts due to leadership changes at Disney? I don't want to spend a ton of time on this uh, because a lot of other podcasts have covered this news really, really well. Uh, Lynn Testa's podcast is great. He has a New York Times op-ed out there as well. And then I actually heard a Harvard Business Review podcast today talking about the CEO changes. Marketplace from NPR covered it. Uh, I I will just say this. Personally, I'm not expecting a ton of change out of Disney Cruise Line because of the shakeup. I think one set of rumors that are circulating that I don't I don't think are going to be uh, come to any fruition. And then uh, there's one hope that I have. So the rumor that's circulating is that Iger might pull the plug on the global dream. I say pull the plug. It's not really. It would have to be a complete reversal. They've announced a deal, which no company announces a deal unless they have actually inked the deal and closed and paid money. So they would have to find another buyer for the ship or there'd have to be a pretty nice breakup fee in the deal if uh, if that were the case. Although breakup fees are usually like pre-close. It's usually that something happens between agreement and close. So look, I think that the global dream is going to press forward. The reason that there's some speculation out there, I think uh, on Lynn's show, he mentioned this, there's been rumors and uh, such coming out of Disney Cruise Line that the Disney Cruise Line folks actually didn't want to buy this ship, that Chapek was the one who really pushed it forward. And so if it's a Chapek decision, Iger can come in and reverse it. That said, they picked up this ship for 41, a $1.6 billion ship that was three quarters completed for $41 million. Now they got to, we'll talk about this later. We got to put another billion dollars into this ship, but I don't think they'll pull the plug. My my hope with the CEO shakeup is that, look, the, the focus for Iger coming in is Disney+. Plus. He's got to get the streaming service back on track. I think parks are probably a close second and Disney Cruise Line is way at the bottom of a list of things that he might take a look at. 
all that said, my hope is by the company kind of returning to its roots of putting creative first, that some of the things we saw in the wish uh, might be a little bit better on the treasure because the creatives there maybe won't get as value engineered on the treasure as they were on the wish. But that's my hope, at least. But I don't think any big news coming out of Disney Cruise Line simply because they have uh, Iger as CEO. I don't know, Sam, if you have any thoughts here, if we should just move on to more exciting topics for us. I'm just going to say I 100% agree with you. And I'm going to add, I'm going to say there is no chance that Disney will renege on the deal to buy the global dream. I think zero probability of that. So that's all I'll add. Let's move on to some other topics. I want to go rewind back to D23 for a second. We've alluded to some things on our show uh, about the treasure and our thoughts about the announcement. Uh, look, tonight's news and commentary. Sam, what do you think of the name Disney Treasure? I'm going to be honest. I don't really like it. I'm getting used to it. I've had a while to to kind of get used to it since it's been a couple couple months now that we've known. So now I don't have any problems referring to it as the treasure, which I had when it initially was named or when the when the name initially was announced. Um, but I'll be honest, this was not my hope for the name. As we talked about previously, I was hoping for imagine, imagination, adventure. Um, yeah, I had a, a, a list of names that were ahead of the treasure. I don't like the name, but I've kind of come to a place of acceptance, if that makes sense. I was at first in denial and then, you know, there's all those different stages and now I'm in the place of acceptance. So I will live with it. I will sail on her. I still I want to sail on her. I want to I want to be on the maiden voyage of the treasure, to be perfectly honest, um, given how we had such an amazing time on the maiden voyage of the wish. But yeah, I'll live with it. I, I am interested to see some of the some of the characters or um, theming that they hinted at in the announcement. And I, I, I'm really hoping we'll still start to trickle a little bit more information about the treasure since we've gotten nothing since the those D23 announcements. Yeah, I mean, I think the artwork and the renderings look fantastic. They're clearly starting to theme out these ships. So the last one was Princess. You know, this one, I don't quite know the theming yet. It's, you know, Agrabah. And they've got, you know, instead of the slipper in the atrium, they've got the lamp. And it looks gorgeous. It looks gorgeous. I think what was more interesting out of the announcements at D23 yes, was these little exactly. teasers here mm -hmm. of of uh, Coco, the Hitchhiking Ghost, and Moana. And I'm just going to quickly say, my guesses are Coco is a restaurant with a show. Mm -hmm. Hitchhiking Ghost is the new hyperspace lounge bar. Mm -hmm. And Moana is a stage show. Like, that's... Yeah. That's my theory. Uh, I, I do think it could be interesting if Moana turned out to be the restaurant because I think you could have a Hawaiian luau at sea. But mm -hmm. I so I suspect it's either going to be Moana as a stage show or Coco as a stage show. Either way, I'm excited that all of these franchises are coming in with just one little commentary for me, which is I'm not sure how Hitchhiking Ghost fits into any of the theming <laughs> on the ship. Yeah. Like that's that's yeah. where I'm sort of like it's it's cool to have a hitchhiking ghost bar. I will definitely go to it, but it doesn't feel coherent in a theming perspective. Especially I mean, even looking at these three pictures side by side, I'm struggling. Uh, but well, I feel like Coco and Moana fit sort of the the theming of adventure, right? And so and the treasure is supposed to be themed for adventure. But I agree with you, the haunted mansion and the hitchhiking ghost, specifically from the haunted mansion, don't really seem to fit that theme. But I like you. 
I think that the hitchhiking ghost or the haunted mansion would make a great themed bar. Like hyperspace lounge doesn't really fit with the princess theming of the rest of the wish. It is sort of its own unique experience within the wish. So I I totally agree with you on that. I'm not sure if Coco is going to be a restaurant or a stage show. I actually think Coco could be a stage show or could be a deck party. And Moana to me, I think is going to be a stage show, but I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm still not sure about theming for restaurants. I'm not sure if any of these are actually theming for the restaurant. So we'll, for main dining when I say restaurants. So we'll see. Also possible that Hitchhiking Ghosts or Moana is a theming for water slides. I've heard a few people comment on that. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it does, it seems to know. go away the from water, everything's yeah. been Aqua Mouse, Aqua Duck. Yep. The Fab uh, Five. Know. I feel like I feel like the I feel like the water slide is going to stick with Fab Five's theming. I mean, they could do a you know a, a Daisy or Minnie or you know they or Goofy, right? They could do a different character, but I I still think we're going to be seeing something that sticks with the Fab Five up on the deck. All right, let's move on to some more exciting topics. Uh, Australia. Now we've uh, we've hinted at this a few times on our show. I gotta say, excited that they're going to Australia, uninspired by the itineraries that they point out. And and I will say that they, like, I, so I actually pulled this graphic uh, screenshot off of the Disney Cruise Line Australia website, hmm. and. Uh, what struck me at the time they made this announcement and what strikes me now is this Magic at Sea moniker, which is, uh, I think, the same moniker, or at least a similar moniker to what they did in the UK during the pandemic, where they basically said... Similar. Stay- staycations at sea, right? We're, we're, we're going to this market we haven't really served well before. We're targeting into that market and we're going to do sailings sort of almost exclusive to that market. I mean, let's just be honest. No one is, is unappealing to fly all the way to Australia or Zealand to a two-night cruise, a four-night cruise. There are a few of these that are, you know, they're longer and they move between cities, so they could be a good way to visit Australia. But man, I I think this is clearly Disney trying to push themselves into that market. I don't think that mm-hmm. there is really any intent or much intent to have people use this as a way to come visit Australia and New Zealand from the US. That's, that's my take. Agreed. The only thing I will say is I think the Trans-Pacific cruises are going to be those are going to be heavy American. These cruises that you've got the graphic for are all going to really be Kiwis and Aussies. They are not. I'm sure there'll be a handful of Americans on some of these sailings, but these are definitely targeted to that market. I think it's a really smart move by Disney now that they've got five ships. So they've got a little bit more availability. Um, they will have a, a sixth ship uh, in late 2024 um, is what we're predicting. And so, yeah, it will it will help them to hit these other markets um, and or or perhaps frankly to get folks from Australia and New Zealand to come take Caribbean sailings to come take sailings to or from Hawaii or to take West Coast sailings I do think they're trying to just sort of lure that the rest of the English speaking world just like they did with uh, the UK except you know look the only thing with the trans-pacific sailings I'm going to say is they come at a terrible time of year yes for anyone in the US who has children so yep. and and they're longer but, but look we already know longer cruises skew toward kind of adult only just like the Panama kids. Canal yeah. yeah there's listen yeah. there's we have there are plenty of Disney fans out there Disney Cruise Line fans specifically who do not have children or who have children who are in college um, or who have really little children who can go on these because their kids aren't in school right. yet but- 
yeah. guess what I was going to say is, you know, I had ho- I have hope that in the future, some of these sailings will be more geared toward, but I'm not sure they're going to be able to do it because of the mm-hmm. time of year that they're heading over there. I think it's always going to come at this weird period when it's summer in Australia, but it's winter here. Kids are in school. E- you're not like the other thing with those longer sailings is it's a long sailing and then you get there and you fly home like no you gotta like four around yeah you're gonna take like three weeks off really to do one of these sailings and see australia so like i yeah i'm not sure that going to australia on disney cruise line is really ever going to be a great option for folks in the u.s i I think this is a great option for the cruise line to kind of expand its reach uh Mm -hmm. and we'll talk talking a real hot second about the global dream. It could be that the global dream will head down there at some point and just take over, take over these sailings. And then that market in Asia and uh, in Australia, New Zealand gets serviced by that, by that ship. So I don't know. Excited to see them going, excited to see new ports, excited to see new destinations. Uh, But, you know, struggling with the the ability to really do it from the U.S. So yeah, and we and we will have some folks on our show who are doing, in particular, the Trans Pacific sailings. We've got some uh, we've got some feelers out to people who are booked on those cruises and hoping that they will come on. And we will look to see if we can find maybe a, a Kiwi or an Australian or a few of each to come and talk to us about the sailings and their experiences it, with Disney Magic at Sea on the Wonder. So we'll see. Um, but it's a ways away at this point. So stay yep. tuned. It's almost a year from now. <laughs> yep. Well, look, next up, I think is the big topic. It's the global dream. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to start this off, start us off real quick. I think we had a voicemail on this. We're going to give this a shot and see if we can do the voicemail here. Here we go. Hey, DCL duo. Well, DCL duo plus Nathan, DCL trio. Anyway, um, I'm dying to hear your thoughts on this new very large ship. Um, A, what will they call it? And B, where will it sail? Love to hear your thoughts. Well, Ooh, Chris. That's a great question. Yeah, that's from our friend yeah. Chris. We are, uh, we are here to talk. On yeah. our show talking about the Galapagos. Let me frame this up. Let me start with a little bit of what we know and what we don't. Uh, for those listening to this after the fact, I will say I've got a nice graphic up comparing the artwork and rendering for the Global Dream with the artwork and rendering for the Disney Wish. And let me tell you, I, I've heard people say, oh, I mean, it doesn't look... It look I think the Global Dream looks horrendous. It looks like they slap Monica Blue on the hull. It's got six freaking Disney funnels on top. It looks like an Oasis class ship with some Disney livery on it. It does not look as iconic, I think, as the styling of the Wish. It doesn't have that yacht-like feel. So look, any new Disney ship is something to be excited about. But I, I really think that this maneuver... Uh, just not great for me from a branding standpoint. I'll say that. But here's look. Here's what we know. They, we know they purchased the ship for about forty one million dollars. The ship was going to cost one point six billion dollars to construct. They purchased out of bankruptcy for forty one million dollars. Yeah, that is a screaming pennies, deal. pennies yeah. on the dollar. Now they have estimated they're going to need to put about one billion dollars into this ship uh, to get her ready and disnified. Uh, you know, I will be amazed, like most construction, if, if it comes in at the number that they've pegged it at. But let's say it doesn't. I mean, it basically means they get to build another ship for the same price as potentially the Fantasy or the Dream. I mean, they're going to save some money out of this deal. So, you know, and it's a massive ship. 
it it holds 6,000 passengers at double occupancy currently, and we've heard Disney's going to cap it at that 6,000 number. Another 2,300 crews. You're talking about 8,300 people on board this ship. Uh, it is 208 gross tons and to uh, 208, I'm sorry, 208,000 gross tons. Uh, and to compare that, the wish is 144,000 gross tons. So like another 30 to 40% on top of what the wish is. And it runs on green methanol, which don't ask me what green methanol is. But I wanted to start with the question of people have been asking, like, where's this thing going? We know it was designed for the Asian market. And then I did some sleuthing because I thought the green methanol thing was an interesting thing. Because like LNG fuel, there are not a ton of ports that currently support this green methanol fuel. There's some ports in, there's a port in Europe because Maersk shipping uses green methanol in some of their cargo ships, uh, but it's in Denmark, I believe. Uh, and then there, which is not going to be a great place to sail year round from. <laughs> uh, but then there's a there's several ports in Asia that have it. And so my own speculation, so I know that uh, there's a, some ports in China. Uh, I don't believe Japan has it. They may. Uh, and then uh, I saw that Singapore has it. And so my speculation, because of the geopolitics around China uh, and a lot of American companies trying to navigate, like, you know, what happens if they go into Hong Kong and all of this stuff? Like, I, I have a feeling Disney will base this ship out of Singapore. That's my speculation based on the green methanol and kind of where the ports are in Asia that I could sleuth out that have it. If that's, if that's true, then it's definitely serving the Asian market. And I think that that makes total sense given how the ship was designed. Sam, yeah. I want to get your reaction to, it's called the Global Dream. Clearly, they're going to change the name. What do you think right. they're going to name it? What do you think they're going to name it? And uh, wh what do you think of the renderings and the styling so far? Oh, God. This is... So the renderings and the stylings, I, I, I don't hate it like you seem to hate it. Let me put it that way. To me, it does still look like, to some degree, a floating condominium, um, like some of the Carnival and Royal Caribbean ships that I'm not a big fan of. But I, I do have to say, I think this rendering makes a condominium look pretty darn good. Um, I mean, it's I, I don't think she's as beautiful as... The Wish, The Fantasy, The Dream, or or even obviously The Magic and The Wonder. But I actually noticed, I'm not sure that those funnels are full funnels. They actually look like they're like split in half funnels from the rendering to me. So I, I'm not sure they're going to be like full funnels or if they're just going to be half funnels split. So I, I, yeah. I think I, I do, I do have to say, I think that upper deck is going to be really freaking cool. You know, some of the, the videos I've seen for the global dream, uh, from its prior company, were showing some really cool, like mini golf and this roller coaster and just all kinds of stuff on that top deck that you have, we have never seen on a Disney ship and probably would not otherwise see on a Disney ship that because a lot of the design was already done and because a lot of the building process was already done, I think we could see some really cool things on this ship that we would not have ever probably seen. Gosh, on names, that's really hard. I mean, I don't even know what to call her. I want to call her Frankenstein because that's what she is. Actually, she's not Frankenstein. She's actually the the monster. So it's so... So Disney is Dr. Frankenstein and she is maybe the monster. That's what I would call her. But I, I um, think if it's going to sail in Asia, I wonder if they'll find some way to make that that connection. Yeah. The Disney Empress. 
maybe. Oh, that would be, um, yeah, that would be nice. You know, that something like that. Something. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, if it's going to be dedicated to the Asian market, I wonder if they'll name her something like that. I don't know. It's, we've got some listener questions. Or the Disney listener- Empire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe. I mean, <laughs> Star Wars Day at Sea coming back. <laughs> well, we had some other questions. So I mean, look, topic du jour. Uh, do you think there will be a casino on the Global Dream once Disney overhauls the ship? So we have heard that the ship is built around a major casino and, and casinos are typical in the Asian market. This this for me comes back to if they do it, how far do they go in sort of diluting the brand and the experience that they have created on the five other ships they've built, probably the sixth ship they are building and number seven, right? I mean, so I'm a little concerned if they put a casino on board because that's not something they've done for any other ship. And I think that they could probably make better use of the space than having a casino on a Disney ship. And it feels like, I mean, in my mind, that's what some Disney people really love. Now, that said, if it's servicing the Asian market, then that's kind of a standard thing to have on board. And so I'm really 50-50 on what they do here. And I wish I was more 80-20 on them not not doing it. I don't know, Sam, what do you think? So I am going to disagree with you on this. I am not 50-50. I am not 80-20 in the way that you are or want, hoping to be. I think this ship is going to have a casino on it. Like I, I think there's an 80% chance this ship keeps the casino that was built to be on the ship because I, like you, believe that this ship will serve the Asian market. I think there's a really good chance that it doesn't come to the American market for years. Um, I don't think it'll ever, I mean, it may not ever come. Uh, Or at least least they have to do a dry dock or an overhaul of it. Yeah. Well, that's what my thought is. It's... I. If if at some point there is a port in the United States or Caribbean ports that end up being fitted for green methanol or if the ship undergoes a dry dock to change, you know, what kind of fuel or something like that, I think years down the road, it could come to the States. However, if the way it's built, the market it was intended for is Asia and they have to have a casino. If you are in the Asian market, if you are if you are sailing from Singapore or Hong Kong or Tokyo or, or whatnot. You have to have a casino on your ship. I believe that that is the one area that Disney will actually compromise. I, I don't. They won't do it on any other ship. On any ship that I'm gonna. This is what I'm saying. This could be completely false, but they will not change the current ships, the treasure, or the next ship to include a casino on it. I, I'm pretty positive of that, but I do believe that this ship will have a casino on it. Yeah, I, I want to kind of go look at other ships that service the Asian market to get a sense of what they have on them. I mean, casinos one thing. We've heard tea rooms are very popular for the Asian market. Mm. I'd like to understand, like, is Disney going to do rotational dining on this ship? Do they have to do? I mean, with six thousand people, they may have to do four or four five, five, yeah, rotational yeah. dining restaurants. Um, you know, are they going to dip their toe into specialty dining a little bit more? Not in the sense of like adult only, like Palo and Remy and Enchanté, but more, you know, the guy Fiat burgers and you know that kind of stuff so it's interesting it, it, it feels like the global dream could be an opportunity for them to experiment a little bit and see what people like and don't like 
it's massive. So it's got tons of space in it. Um, so look, at the end of the day, I think it's a good thing that they bought this ship. I'm just, I'm really, I, I don't know which direction I had on where they're going to go with it. I think it will be one of the more unique experiences in the fleet. Uh, Sharon here asks, given the premium pricing for the Wish and the addition of an even larger ship, is DCL possibly moving toward tiered pricing based on the class of ship? If so, what's the justification? They're increasing supply without increasing demand and may in fact be decreasing demand as families are priced out of the DCL market and will trade down to Royal Caribbean or equivalent. I, I don't know, Sam, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, so I'm going to say no. They're not going to have tiered pricing based on the class of ship. They've never done that before. There isn't tiered pricing for the magic and the wonder versus the dream and the fantasy. What drives the pricing is one, whether you're the newest ship out there. So the wish, of course, yes, is going to be the most expensive. When the treasure comes out, that might be end up actually that might not be the most expensive because the wish doing three and four night itinerary still might be a little more expensive if the treasure takes over that seven night itinerary that we're predicting it does. But I think generally speaking, itinerary is what drives itinerary uh, time of year. That's what drives the pricing. So spring break, Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, summertime, those cruises always are going to have the premium pricing and then special itineraries. Hawaii is always going to be more expensive. Southern Caribbean, longer cruises, always going to be more expensive. And again, those three and four nights, no matter what ship they are on, out of Port Canaveral. They're the ones that go to Castaway Key and Nassau. They always have a premium price. When I say premium price, I mean their per night is going to be slightly higher than the per night price on a seven night because they are the sort of entry into the market. What do you think, Brian? I think that whether it's intentional or just driven by the newness of the ships, right? And the itineraries are doing like they're they're clearly putting the newer ships on itineraries that people want to sail and charging yes. more. And so I think it may not be a function of intentionally saying we want to charge more for the Triton class ships and then we do the dream class and we do the magic class. But the reality is, I think buying cruises on these ships is going to have a lot of look like tiered pricing because the newest ships are doing the most popular routes, uh, the three and four nights, uh, the seven night Eastern Caribbeans, you know, that sort of thing. And then you've got, you know, kind of the other ships doing other things. I think the outliers will always be Alaska and Europe, where the prices are just higher yep. to begin with. Regardless. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, look, this new Global Dream Ship, the price might be astronomical because that's what that market supports. I don't I don't know. So I, I think the net effect may be some sort of tiered pricing. The, the more interesting question for me is this, this point that Sharon's making about their increasing supply without increasing demand. And um, that is interesting to me right now because I'm seeing a lot more sort of 35% off or that, that Disney Plus uh, buy one, you know, one sales free in your cabin kind of thing, I think it was. And so... Well, yeah, it was kids. Yeah, kids. That's, it was that, the yeah. third and fourth. Yeah. But, but that's unheard of. I mean, that Correct. is unheard of for Disney Cruise Line to be offering all of these discounts. It's a constant drumbeat of discounts right now. And the common wisdom was always book early to get the best price. And the price only goes up from there unless you've got like military or Florida resident or something like that. And it seems like they're opening up more and more kind of broad-based discounts. Um, so I, I'm, wondering if they're, I'm wondering if they're having problems filling berths and if uh, they're coming under some price pressure. Sure. 
quite frankly. So, well, and particularly that seems to be the case out of Miami and what will soon to be out of Fort Lauderdale. The dream uh, sailings out of there, it's been the magic and now it's going to be the dream. Those sailings are the ones that seem to have the best pricing and have for years. And that's why they were doing Marvel Day of Marvel Day at Sea out of Miami in order to drive sales to Miami, of course. So I, I think when you're not at Port Canaveral, um, that definitely will can you know make the price uh, price dip? So it'll be interesting. Uh, Heather's asking about thoughts on Global Dream staying in the Asian market and you know uh, porting near Tokyo or Hong Kong Disney parks. I mean, I think we we are clearly on the the side of it's going to Asia. I absolutely do think that there is opportunities for tie-ins uh, into the parks, adventures by Disney, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, they already have ABDs in China. Uh, so I I absolutely and in Japan, I think too. No, don't they have one in Tokyo? Mm, perhaps, yeah. But I I think I think there's going to be tie tie-ins uh, back to these other products in the parks. Uh, I, I think that I think that's a, a really a no-brainer for Disney. Uh, one of our Facebook folks watching tonight asked if ABD embedded cruises will come back. And since we're mentioning ABD for a second, I just want to say, I don't know. I, I, I like I, I don't yeah. know if that decision was a pandemic-related decision or a profitability-based decision. They still do the ABD tie-ins. And I suspect perhaps what's going on is that adding the cost of ABD on top of a Disney cruise line sailing, like like you could just sail in concierge. <laughs> I mean, like- that's what I was thinking. I don't think they're going to bring it back because I think it it's the same market as folks who tend to sail in concierge. And so you're probably going to choose one or the other. And honestly, it doesn't seem to me like there's that much benefit as far as excursions go. It's not like you get uh, a ton of premium excursions, or at least there haven't been availability for those premium excursions in in the market right now. So yeah, I'm, I don't think they'll bring in the embedded ones, but I agree with Brian. We I think we will see more of those. Um, uh, what do they call them? Short escapes where they where they do a, sort of a city focused one either before or after cruises. Particularly, we might see those with the global dream in the Asian market. I, I think if it does sail out of Singapore, you might see you know a Singapore based uh, ABD uh, for either before or after your cruise. So I, I do think we might see more of those. CT is asking about what we think will be the same and what we think will be different and potential ports for the global dream. And then uh, Jennifer's asking if they'll do longer cruises. I, I want to tackle Jennifer's question first and just say, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, like, I, I don't think, think so. I think what we might see out of the first year of the global dream is a lot like what they're doing with Australia. Let's get a lot of you know short cruises on the books. Let's get the market excited about it, get people on, get feedback, figure things out, and then figure out where they want to go afterwards, right? Like, uh, I, I think that's what they'll do in in Asia, uh, just like they've done in sort of the UK to excite that market and then in uh, Australia now to excite that market. So I think it will be at least a year after she comes out, we might see anything approaching kind of longer cruises. Possible, possible, we might see some repositioning kind of cruises, uh, you know, like they did with Australia. Possible they could like bring her to LA or something and then send her back to Australia or send her back to Asia. I don't think so, though. I think she's going to be home ported permanently in Asia and do a lot of short sales. You know, one thing we didn't talk about, Sam, is when we think this ship is going to come out. Oh, yeah. And and so we know they've got a billion dollars worth of work estimated to do on the ship. Uh, we know they've got sh- the treasure coming out next year in 2020. Oh, well, in 2024. We're so close to the end of the year, folks. <laughs> in 2024, I suspect 
It's going to go treasure, global dream, and then ship number eight now, is it? No, ship right. number... it'll be eight. Is that sh- will it be ship eight? It will be four? Yeah, that'll uh, be ship yeah. number eight because treasure eight. is six and then the other one was supposed to be seven. But if global dream takes over the seventh spot... So the, the news reports were that the global dream would come out in 2025. I, I'll be I can't honest. see them doing two just, launches no, in I, one year. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So the I, the treasure is 2024. I thought the other ship was 2026. No, they they, but they you kind were of, thinking it was 2025. Yeah, they they, right? they they initially had kind of a year by year march. Like these ships were going to launch one year years. after each other. I, I'm fairly certain it was like a year by year march. But I could see them like this is at Mayor Werft. It's already sitting there and needs to be built. Uh, so I could see them just like let's finish this thing and then we'll we'll really get started in earnest on on the next one. Well, the, I think they'll be working on them simultaneously. But I agree. I think we're going to see the global dream be out to market before we see the sister ship of the wish and the treasure i think we'll see that'll that'll be the order we'll see the treasure then we'll see the global dream then we'll see now ship number eight uh the third ship of the triton class i just don't know when i will be honest i'm a little doubtful that the global dream is going to make it to 2025 i mean i'm hopeful i guess she's you know she's well far along in her build but i don't know it just seems with a redesign of this big of a ship it could take a long time Oh, I think 2025 is due. I mean, they, they built the wish in two two years, right? I mean, no, all they have to do years, here is yeah. finish it and redesign. I mean, and look, redesign. I, they're not going to gut this thing and start over, or else they lose all the value <laughs> out of it, right? I mean, Agreed. so uh, yeah. So I, I think 2025 is probably doable. The ship is 75 percent complete. So you yeah. know, CT, your question about what'll be the same? I mean, look, I think you're you're going to have fabulous stage shows and entertainment. That's guaranteed disney's about storytelling theming uh you know my guess is that they will keep rotational dining because that's unique to disney the question really is do they layer in even more dining options given all the space i'd be interested to see if they branch out on some of the uh activities on board you know do they finally put a roller coaster at sea to compete with carnival and the mardi gras i think this could be an opportunity but i think i think they're gonna i think they're gonna scale the current disney experience to a larger ship because that's their that's their brand right may see some agreed experimentation and kind of more of everything. So maybe four or five rotational dining restaurants, but I I, I don't think it's going to be a complete outlier. I think it's going to be a ship where they can experiment though. That's my my kind of guess. I agree. I think we might see four rotational dining restaurants and I do think we'll see maybe some more specialty restaurants and perhaps they will have some specialty restaurants and you know add-on restaurants where you can actually go as a family, not just adult only premium restaurants. So that's the one area where I think this ship might be different, but I agree. I think the kids clubs will look like kids clubs. The rotational dining will look like rotational dining even if there's a fourth or fifth rotational rest rotational dining restaurant. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action to thank our amazing show sponsor over at My Path Unwinding Travel. We have really come to love all of the agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel who you've heard on this show. So many of their agents have been on the show sharing their great experiences with concierge sailing, adventures by Disney, and just unique sailings across the Disney portfolio. And so have really come to rely on their expertise as we think about our own vacations, questions we've had about sailing concierge for the first time, questions about unique itineraries, and they are just 
so knowledgeable, so friendly, so giving of their time. My Path and Wedding has some fabulous Facebook groups out there that you can join around concierge sailing, the Disney Wish, the Disney Treasure, just all kinds of great groups where they answer questions from people who haven't even booked vacations with them. So love, love, love the great experience, expertise, friendliness of My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you are thinking about booking your next Disney Cruise Line vacation, maybe been thinking about taking the leap and upgrading to concierge or have been eyeing some special adventures by Disney trip or really just want to benefit from the knowledge and expertise that a great travel expert can provide, highly recommend heading over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. And with that, back to our episode. All right, well, let's move on to some other announcements. The Global Dream could take up a whole show, I think, as one of our listeners commented. <laughs> and uh, look, there's going to be tons more news coming out about the Global Dream and even the Treasure, and we'll do more of these shows. But um, I think I want to cap the speculation there about the Global Dream. Uh, I want to mm-hmm. talk about some more announcements that came out. We had two big announcements. Uh, I think it was last week. Uh, we're going to start with the Silver Anniversary sailings. And so I actually, I think I had... So yeah, listeners asking, Karen is asking, will we be discussing the Silver Anniversary celebration sailings? And yes, we will. Uh, she's asking, do we think that they're worth it? And so let's talk a little bit. The Silver Anniversary sailings are going to celebrate <laughs> Disney Cruise Line's 25th anniversary and will happen May through September 2023 on select Disney Cruise Line sailings. So like the Wish, uh, the Fantasy, and the Dream, I believe, are the ones getting the Silver Anniversary sailings. There's a list of specific sailings out uh, on the Disney Cruise Line website. What are they going to be doing on board? Well, well we all know there's going to be a deck party. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> We've got uh, and new, new costumes, lo- new costumes, yeah, new costumes, new, uh, very interesting. Almost, I'm going to say this. I think Minnie and Mickey look like they're headed to Mardi Gras in those, uh, in those <laughs> costumes. Uh, looks a lot like a Mardi Gras costume. costume I wore one time. Yeah. Uh, I heard, uh, yeah. I heard another Sparkly. podcast describe, uh, Minnie's, uh, pants there as culottes. Yes, they are culottes. Uh, those are culottes. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, look, I think got, we're going to see merch though. This is the thing because we've got these new outfits, will right? We we've see got merch? these, will, right? Will, like will we've we, got these. One hundred and ten percent, we will see right? silver anniversary merch. Let's just hope it's not as bad right. as the merch they put out for the fiftieth, like that velour tracksuit. Well, that's so. That's what I was thinking. That's exactly where my mind went because they did so many things with like sparkles and shimmery type stuff for the fiftieth anniversary at WDW. Um, I think we're going to see very similar but obviously different color i like this kind of uh i don't know if i'll call it turquoise it's apparently a swirling design reminiscent of ocean waves and multi-tone fabric in the signature color of the celebration shimmering seas yeah well, um, i'm gonna just, call it shimmery shimmery turquoise so yeah, i think we're gonna see yeah. a lot of shimmery turquoise merch so for for our uh, for our listeners at home, I just want to describe. So the silver anniversary sailings are marking the 25th anniversary of Disney Cruise Line. Uh, what they've announced is new looks for Captain Mickey and uh, Captain Minnie, which we've been talking about. Hashtag uh, Minnie for Admiral uh, or Commodore. The second thing they've announced is a new signature song, a sing and dance along to a brand new melody with the debut of signature song created especially for the silver anniversary. Culinary creations, eat and drink your way through themed culinary delights from fanciful desserts to inspired craft cocktails. And then memories that shimmer, take a piece of the magic home with with you the new shimmering seas collection so there's your merch sam a special line of dedicated merch, merch featuring our new signature color i guarantee we're going to get a deck party i guarantee we're going to get a special deck party uh, my guess is it'll be a lot like that mickey's ha- uh, birthday party that they the did birthday, uh, so that's exactly where my mind went yeah the but what i like is there, there was some question about well we'll, we'll have to replace a pirate deck party on three night sailings uh my guess is no because the way they did the birthday party at sea was they did it kind of mid 
midday. Uh, mid-afternoon, and they yeah. Actually, yeah, they, and they actually did it, I think, for us on a port day. Uh, and they just did it midday and they kind of had this big deck party for Mickey. I can't, but I have a feeling it could be like a midday deck party as opposed to trying to replace something out there. If yep. not, I'm sure that they'll just stagger the deck party on a night that you know wouldn't otherwise have something going on. Or it could be it could be a, a sail away party. That's the other way they could do it. Uh, Instead of doing yeah. the standard sail away party, they could do yep. a special silver anniversary at sea deck you know sail away party. Right. So yep. it would be. I think it's easy for them to work it in without without compromising uh, Pirate Night. I, I don't think they're going to take away Pirate Night in order to accommodate it. So, uh, you know, is it worth it was the question. You know, I I love some... Oh, yeah, somebody wants a 25th anniversary mug. A good one. I mean, I always love the special celebrations. I, you know, I loved uh, the Star Wars Day at Sea. I like Maritime. I like... Uh, what are the other ones? The Halloween on the High Seas. The Mickey's, Mickey's birthday celebration was fun. So, so for me, yeah, I mean, I'm going to say I want to be on the Silver Anniversary at Sea. I want to have access to that special merch. I wonder if there will be a special stateroom gift like they have done for not just the maiden voyage, but all the inaugural season sailings on the wish. So maybe there will be, I don't know, a bag, a champagne flute, something. I don't know you know, what it will be, but there might be a special gift. The other thing I think we can look forward to likely, and I, well, you know what? I'm not going to say this because I think it goes to the, I think you, you have, you, are we going to talk about pearl status? That's next up. Yeah. Yeah. I was okay, just going to so gonna... wind down this topic and then we're going to get to the last topic yeah fair enough i'm not gonna i'll i will hold my last comment uh well let's just which let's, I kind of ties into both yeah look, look on the worth it question i absolutely think that these special sailings can be a lot of fun and so it's just for me it really depends on you know you're gonna have a very defined period of time and a set of ships that you can get this experience on would i move like some you know once in a lifetime sailing through the panama canal or something to get on one of these probably not it's sort of like the 50th anniversary at disney world only much more contained you're only going to get a limited opportunity to see the special stuff. So I think it's gonna be worth it. We are booked on a sailing that will be uh, one of these uh, silver anniversary celebrations. So we'll get a chance to experience ourselves and certainly report back. But I know I'm excited to have that added on, especially say, is it worth it? If you're choosing between a Bahamian cruise that doesn't have it and a Bahamian cruise that does, I'd choose the Bahamian cruise that does. That's just me personally. Agreed. Let's talk about Pearl Castaway Club. Oh my gosh. Uh, So set this up. We got an announcement last week from Disney there adding a tier to the Castaway Club. It is the Pearl tier. uh, And it is to coincide with their 25th anniversary. It will benefit those who have sailed with Disney Cruise Line 25 or more sailings. Not super surprising from my Mm -hmm. point of view. I think we saw the test balloon for this with the Wish bookings where they opened them up to 25 plus first and then kind of made their way down. I think they were trying to see where that line gets drawn for them, where they have you know enough people, but not too many. Don't know a ton. What we do know is uh, there was a statement that no benefits would be taken away from existing Castaway Club members. So everything that we get today is platinum or gold or silver is staying the same. It's effective as of May of next year from what we've heard. Uh, we know they're going to get a better advanced booking window uh, ahead of platinum. Uh, you know, I had some discussions the other day with somebody who was asking, you know, do you think they'll push Golden Oaks and those kinds of folks into the Pearl tier? And I, I, you know, that might be a place where they draw a line. They sort of say like, this is about Disney Cruise Line loyalty. You can all book with platinum, right? So... Yep, will kind I of be agree. interesting to see. They will get activity bookings at 125 days out. So five days ahead of Platinum at 120, but five days less than Concierge at 130. Uh, and we also know that check-in currently remains at 30 days for all levels. What we don't know are any of the benefits 
of being in Pearl and uh, more to come there in early 2023. So this is the part where we get to speculate around what we think the benefits will be. Uh, and then we've got a couple questions about it. But Sam, look, it's clearly going to be a you get all the benefits of Platinum right. plus something. Like, something. What's the something? What's a, what's the something so, for Disney's most loyal fans here? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to speculate and I'm going to say, well, one, we got to get new onboard gifts. And I say new onboard gifts. I mean, if they're going to give a new they've got to come up with a gift for the Pearl tier. I think we're going to see new gifts for every tier. Right. So it's they're going to revamp the current gifts like the the bag and whatnot that you get for being. Well, now there's a new bag for platinum that came out fairly recently. When I say fairly recently, it's in, in the past year, um, which we haven't gotten yet, by the way. It's that cooler bag. And then, oh no, we did get it. Sorry. We got it on our magic sailing in Norway. They're, I think they're going to revamp. You're going to see new bags or new new gifts for the different tiers. I think we're, we're still going to see lanyards, but they've got to give... They've got to design a new lanyard for a pearl. So perhaps we might see new designed lanyards for everyone, obviously. And then I'm going to say the one thing I'm going to speculate on is that we, you know, we haven't had those platinum and gold receptions that they used to have back in the day. They used to have, sometimes it would be like a, a reception with free drinks. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to, sorry, I'm laughing at this Facebook comment. You know what they will, you know what they might do is that thing you get sometimes at like the carnivals. They're like, oh, here's an oyster and it might have a pearl in a it. I don't know. With the fake pearl. Yeah. So it says pearl gifts should be so cool, like something with an actual pearl. Yeah. That's, that's one of the comments um, we're getting live on the show. Yeah, that's not going to happen. There's, like I said, there's going to, I think there's going to be a pearl reception though. So we haven't seen a platinum or a gold reception in since pre pandemic. And even pre pandemic, the last ones we were seeing were like a sneak peek theater presentation because there was just too many platinums, right? There are so many platinums now in the Castaway Club that they can't even fit them in the theater for like a half hour reception or preview of the theater. So I think we're going to see something that is only for those Pearl Castaway Club members. And you're not going to see the return of any of those receptions for platinum or for gold because they haven't had them in years anyway. So they don't have to they don't have to bring yeah. it back. Um, before before yeah. I wade into the before I wade into this discussion about number of nights versus number of sailings, which I I have thoughts about, and I'm going to share them in just a second. Uh, I did want to say on the the gift front on what they could give. I, I look, I am going to be flabbergasted if Disney doesn't take a page from some other cruise line. Now, I suppose I shouldn't be because they didn't when revamping their loyalty program. But but like if you just look at across at other cruise lines and the things that they give, it's things like you know like free internet or drink packages or, you know, that kind of stuff. So like, I could see them maybe going the route of like, Hey, here's a couple of things and you get to choose for this sailing. One of these things, I think definitely upgraded stateroom gifts. I kind of wonder if they might offer them like a free Enchanté dinner or a credit in Enchanté. I don't, I don't think the think $45 so. extends to Palo. It only sends to Palo. So like, I, I agree. I can't, I can't see them doing that, but like, it's possible. You know, some cruise lines go so far as to say, if you're in their top tier of loyalty, they give you a free cruise once a year. Yeah. Definitely don't see Disney doing that, but yeah. it's, it's hard. And it's hard for the reason I want to talk about right now, which is they didn't key it to number of nights. 
And the reason they didn't key it, I don't know, I don't know the reason they didn't key it. The reason they should have keyed it to number of nights, in my opinion, is that a lot of cruise lines, I think most of them or all of them, besides Disney, look to a point-based system. What they say is, we'll give you one point for each night you sail. We'll give you more points if you're sailing in certain different categories of stateroom. If you're staying in the highest category of stateroom, you might even get more points. And if you're doing extended sailings, we may even give you a few more points, right? And so you accumulate points towards your tiers. And the the reason they do that is it ties neatly to how much you're spending with the company, right? And so the loyalty, they're rewarding loyalty based on dollars spent, which for me is a no-brainer as a business that you reward not just the people who come through the door all the time, but the people who are spending the most money. That's why Starbucks shifted their program over to dollars spent rather than just number of drinks. Um, and so like, I, I like it, it's just mind-boggling to me that someone could have seven sailings like Chris in the Concierge Lounge in the Royal Disney Suite on seven nights or longer sailings, and he has just the same status as someone who sailed in an inside stateroom on seven three-night cruises uh, on, you know, uh, the the fantasy or the sorry, the dream or the wish, right? Like that. That's yeah. not. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me, and so you're right. I'm really, but, I was really disappointed yeah. to see. And I want to, I want to be very clear. This would impact our own Castaway Club status if we were under that kind of a program. I think we would still be sitting comfortably at gold and not at platinum because we accelerated our Castaway Club status during the pandemic by taking a lot of shorter cruises. But now that we sell concierge quite a bit, like I, I sort of feel like, like why is it? A, Equivocal. So I think they should have taken this opportunity to really hard reset that castaway club. They could have grandfathered everyone in at their current status, but basically said, here's where your points are. And to get to the next layer, you are going to have to earn up to that point level. So if you would yeah. grandfathered in at platinum, but you're really at gold, you've got to earn the points up to Pearl to get there. I, I, I really think that that would have been the right way to go. I We've got a couple of comments here that I want to address, and then I'm going to tell you I have another point I want to make and address the elephant in the room. But first, first, I want to note we've got Laura Schmidt, who's saying that free internet would be wonderful. I, I think that I, I do think that's a possibility to give you, they could give you sort of the lowest internet package um, for like one device, right? Or something like that. Um, and then I don't know who this is, Facebook user, it says, don't they already give wine for platinums, more things like that, a drink at the bar, a dedicated area to watch the shows, a foot massage from Captain Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> I love that comment. I think it's hilarious. Uh, yes, they do already give, uh, you can get a sparkling wine as your platinum gift. So they could upgrade that. Maybe they'll give you a champagne and instead of a sparkling wine. It'll still be a, you know, a bottom shelf champagne, but perhaps that. Um, and with the dedicated area to watch the shows, I don't think they'll do that only because they just it's started doing that for yeah, concierge. Yeah. Or it's a they just started doing concierge. it for concierge. And so if they do, if they open that up to Pearl, then it sort of takes away from the uniqueness of it being available to uh, to concierge. But so the one thing I want to talk about, which I, I'm going to call this the elephant in the room, is the name Pearl Castaway Club Tier. They this is this is the worst name ever. I hate it. It sounds like a feminine product. OK, it is a terrible, terrible name. <laughs> they should have called this Titanium diamond i don't know i don't know that i call it terrible like i mean like it's I, terrible the name it's is terrible. the name the name is the name it's, and it's fine i don't care 
It's terrible. I, I stand by that. It's terrible. That's the end of the story. Who cares what it's called as long as it comes with some decent with benefits. benefits? Like that's kind of where I come from. If they just kind of short shrift the benefits for these folks who've sailed 25, 50, 75, 100 cruises, then it's a completely ineffective loyalty program, in my opinion. So um, yeah, so I, I think that's really the place we need to look. See, Facebook user is also saying it's terrible. Thank you, Facebook user. I don't know who you are, but I'll I'll see it when I see your I think comment that's, on Facebook. I think that's Chris. Later. I think that's I think that's our friend Chris. Yeah. Chris, uh, right. from yeah. The, Thank you, yeah, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we've addressed most of these questions. Folks were asking to have the discussion about nights versus uh, number of sailings. And uh, Dennis was asking about what kind of benefits we might uh, we might see. That brings us to our potpourri questions. And I accidentally included a question we handled up front around uh, the change in CEO leadership. So we won't revisit that. But we did have a, a final question from our listeners about what are the best... It comes from Kelly, who wrote, what are the best rated excursions at each port, especially for unique itineraries? I'm going to say... That is a show unto itself, guy. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I, it's, it, I look, don't think that's possible for us to answer in one in this show. Yeah, it's it's well, it, look, it's hard to answer because right now it's kind of unclear at times what port adventures are being offered in the different ports based on availability and COVID restrictions and and all of that sort of stuff. So, um, I will, I did want to say, let me call out a few excursions that I've heard about as being very, very popular, and Sam might have others, and then give you a recommendation. So. We start with the recommendation I'd have is when you're on a sailing, if you're on Facebook, join the Facebook group and ask this question in the group because guaranteed that others have taken the sailing and visited these ports and will have strong opinions over good shore excursions. And also they can help take into account some of your personal circumstance. Like are you, you know, sailing with kids and how old are they or older adults with you? Like that sort of thing. So how active are you do you want to be? Mobile? Yeah. 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 Disney Cruise Line's website has all the shore excursions listed by port. Uh, and so you can go check out what is potentially offered at those ports, but just know that they kind of catalog everything they've ever offered. And it doesn't mean that everything will be available on your sailing. Um, Look, the recommendations I have one in Alaska, uh, I've heard dog sledding is amazing and not to be missed. I've heard glacier viewers. Yeah. I've heard glacier viewing and I've heard helicopters are not to be missed. And so I would say if you're going to Alaska, I'd try to get one of those in. They also tend to be super expensive. In, you know, like the Bahamas, I've heard that Blue Lagoon is something that people like. Frankly, we don't like to get off the boat in Nassau, but we might this time around or the next time we go just to try a shore excursion. So we'll let you know. A lot of the other ports that we've been to, like it's beach excursions for the most part. So nothing like crazy. Although in, was it Cozumel or Costa Maya, Sam, that we did the Mayan ruins, which I actually thought Costa was... Costa Maya. Big, Costa Maya. We did, we did some Mayan ruins. That's a unique opportunity to see the ruins. Uh, you have to go to one of those ports to really do it. In Norway, the hike to Pulpit Rock is a perennial favorite. Uh, everyone we talked to said that that was a shore excursion we had to do in Stavanger. Um, we haven't sailed much in the Med or Greece or those sorts of places. So, you know, I don't have good recommendations there. I have heard uh, if you're sailing out of uh, Barcelona that they have a great tour. ABD actually does a great tour of the cathedral there. So, oh, like, yeah, I, I, we have some we have some Caribbean ones, though, Brian. So in St. Kitts, we had a great it was a treetop zip line canopy thing where we did multiple zip lines in St. Martin. We did a great um, single zip line where it's like the tallest or longest zip line in I don't know, in the world. We did a great uh, in where was that, though? It was in Martinique. We did this fantastic catamaran excursion. 
Um, there are some, I would say, catamaran excursions, beach excursions. Those are always, you know, fun ones to do. Some people like those four by four open Jeeps. I, that's not something I'm really that interested in. The beach ones, you have to look at the description because yes. sometimes it's like 45 minutes on a bus for two hours at a beach with an included drink. And like that to me is unless the beach is somehow the best beach within 100 miles, which is usually not the case, I think that that is not a great excursion. I'm looking for 20 minutes max to get there. You have a couple three hours at the beach, not like... Because two hours typically then turns into 90 minutes because of delays and whatnot. And so for beach excursions, I say read the description. Right. Is lunch included? Is lunch included? Do you get an umbrella? Because some of these will say like, oh, umbrellas available for purchase, which means you're going to be baking in the Caribbean sun all day unless you buy the umbrella, right? So I would just say lots of the ports in the Caribbean have the beach excursions. And I would say just read, read, read the descriptions that are available online before you book something. But lots of resources out there. Uh, we also recently learned in a probably going to do a show at some point around is it shorexcursions.com or something like that Sam, yeah that, uh... there's, a, there's a resource called shorexcursions.com where you can actually plug in your what your cruise is where you're sailing out of and it will tell you what available excursions these are not booking through dcl these are booking through a third party uh tracy's saying love megan's bay in st thomas and joe's van dyke in Tor tortola we have done megan's bay multiple times i totally agree and we have heard that joe's van dyke and tortola is amazing although i will say we haven't done that one ourselves. The next time we do get to Tortola, we plan on doing it. We just don't have any is, plans to get to Tortola. Is Joe Van Dyke the catamaran tour that we had? Uh, was it was it Bobby? No. That was, somebody was telling us about that. There was a yes. There is yes. yes there is a there is a great you, you catamaran. A yeah, you take a yes. boat over and you do a catamaran for the day, and you're kind of parked offshore with a bunch of other catamarans. You can swim up to the beach and stuff like that. So yeah, that sounded like an amazing port of venture. I've heard others talk too about. I think it's Tortola, one of the islands you can take a ferry to a different island and go to That's a beach there job. and yeah, yeah, they have they have breweries and stuff, and I've heard some great things about that. But that requires you to do it on your own, and you know you got to make sure you got the ferries timed and everything to get back uh, to the yeah. ship on time. But, so, but if you have a specific question, as Brian said about a specific port or specific excursion, um, not only should you post it in your Facebook group for your sailing, but come and join our Facebook group and feel free to ask it in our Facebook group. There are plenty of very experienced cruisers as well as new cruisers in our group. And, and it's a real friendly bunch. People will be happy to help if they know of excursions. Well, we are going to wrap up the news and commentary this time around there. Thank you so much for watching with us live and providing comments. And for those of you listening afterwards, thank you for listening to the show. And we will see you next time. As always, thank you so much out there for listening to our bonus show this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. And if you leave us a written review, we will read it on the air in our main show each and every week. We love connecting with you, our listeners, and hearing your feedback. So head over there, leave us a review. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also connect with our show via our voice line. If you'd like to send us a question, a comment, or otherwise have us address your feedback on the air, then just leave us a message at 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can always browse to youtube.com slash DCL Duo for our vlog. 
If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash Duo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. We really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for making this show happen each and every month. We also really appreciate our amazing show sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney vacation, head over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of Disney Cruise Line or the Disney Company. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.